You're listening to a message preached at Front Range Baptist Church. It is our prayer that this message will be a help and an encouragement to you in your spiritual walk. And we tend to think that America is somewhat of a decent country. We're all evil and we're all wicked. Every single one of us, from the politicians to the poor people, all of them are, especially the politicians. But We're all evil, every single one of us. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. Nobody is without excuse. All of us are evil. I remember I went up to Washington. I know somebody here is from Washington, so I'm not going to say anything bad about Washington. But I was in Washington, and I was talking to this lady, and I was uh, witnessing to her, and I said to her, I said, hey, have you ever sinned? And she said, no, I've never sinned. Now, this lady was kind of like the elevator didn't go all the way to the top. Like her, you know, you could just tell she was off. And I said to this lady, I said, ma'am, I said, have you ever lied? And she said to me, it's not a lie. She said, it's a political block, she told me. And I was like, what is that even supposed to mean? I've never heard that before. And human beings try to justify the evil that they do and say that it's right to say that they're good. When the Bible tells us that the truth is we're all evil, every single one of us that is sitting in this room is evil and we're wicked. You say, Brother, White, Brother Yeage, why did you come here to tell us all this depressing stuff? Because I want to get to a specific subject that will make us consider it a little better. If we go to John chapter 2, we read something really interesting that the Bible says about Jesus. John chapter 2, verse 25, it says, talking about Jesus, And needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. You know Jesus knows everything that's in your life? Every part of your life, no matter how secret it is, Jesus knows. No matter where you've gone or what you've done or what you've seen or what you've heard, He knows everything. And He doesn't need some anthropologist telling Him about what mankind is like because He created man. And He knows everything about man. And He knows every single detail since the day you were born until the day you'll die. He knows it all. There's nothing that you can hide from Jesus. And it's beautiful that it says this because the next few chapters show us some really interesting things about him interacting with man. And he needed not that anyone should tell him who man was. You know, God knows exactly who you are. Everything you've ever done. And we're all sinners. And we've all done things in our past. We've all sinned and we've all done things against God. Some of us say, well, I've never killed anybody. Well, that, might, that doesn't mean that you didn't want to kill somebody. It just means that you didn't do it because of convenience. Because if you killed somebody, you'd go to jail. But if you had it another way, you, you might have. And Jesus even considered your thought life to be wicked. He even considered what you would think to be as a physical thing that you did. That is how wicked and evil we are. So the Bible tells us here in John that Jesus knows exactly every part of us in all who we are. And then we get into chapter 3, and this is where we're going to get into the theme. I just have a little bit of time that I want to share this with you because I love to talk about this. But I, we get into John chapter 3, and Jesus is starting to talk to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And we get into John 3, and we see verse 16, a verse that we all know. And I think sometimes we don't realize how important this verse is. And it says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, Jesus is speaking to a man whose idea was that he had to keep the law in order to be loved by God. He had to keep the law in order to have some kind of good standing with God. And you know, that's how the world sees God. 
If you go to Mexico and you're going to see in the video that people will do these pilgrimage where they will run for miles and miles on end, sometimes crawling on their knees and hands and feet for miles just so that they could get some kind of favor with God without realizing that God loves them. And that, sometimes that's how we Christians act. We think we have to do certain things in order for God to love us. But Jesus says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, for God so loved the world. That means everybody, not just those who try to keep the law. For those who don't keep the law, God loves them as well. And so there's a few things that I want to share with you about God's love. And I know these things are things that we know. But whenever you get to study this and you get to understand it deeper and deeper, it does something to your heart as a Christian. Number one, God's love is unconditional. Now, we know what that means. It's, it means that there's nothing that you have to do for God to love you. There's nothing that you have to be for God to love you. It doesn't matter whether you have education or you don't have education. It doesn't matter whether you go to a Baptist church or not. God loves you. What an amazing thought to know that I don't have to meet a certain requirement for God to love me. I think that probably the closest you could see it as a human is the, the love of a mother towards their child. That they just love their child as wicked as their child might be. And it hurts them. They still love their child. To think that God would look at us mankind, knowing all that we are and doing all that we've ever done, and still say, I love you. That's a pretty big deal to me. I don't know about it's a big deal to you, but that makes me pretty excited. To know that the creator of the universe, we went out today to tooth, uh, horse tooth ridge? Something like that? Some kind of horse's tooth. And we went out there and... It was beautiful. I was, telling, uh, I was telling Brother Luke, I said, man, Brother Luke, and, and considering that, that even at, this is not how the creation probably looked originally. And yet through God's wrath, we can see his grace and how he's allowed us to be able to enjoy his creation. That's a, that's a lot of love. I don't know about you, but that's a lot of love for him to show us. But also God's love is unbiased. It's not just unconditional, but it's unbiased. What does that mean? That means that it doesn't matter whether you're black or you're white or you're brown like me. It doesn't matter if you're short or if you're tall or if you're big or if you're skinny. It doesn't matter who you are. God loves you. Amen. That's an amazing thing. It doesn't matter if you're from Colorado, if you're from Texas, if you're from Oklahoma. I don't know about Oklahoma, but <laughs> even if you're from Oklahoma, God loves you. That's crazy to think that God would love a Mexican, that he would love a, a, a Salvadorian, that he would love a Colombian, that he would love an African, that he would love a Pakistani as much as he loves everybody else. Amen. And all his love is in them. All the love of God, he loves you with all his love. And how much is that? Infinite. Amen. That's a pretty big deal to me. That his love is so great, it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, what your background is. And you know, people don't know that. People truly believe God doesn't love me. Because of what I've done. People truly believe that. And we know that God loves us. It doesn't matter where you are, where you stand, what nationality you're from, if you speak English or if you don't speak English. It doesn't matter who you are. God loves you with all his love. Amen. What an amazing thing to know. I remember one time I was talking to this man in this barber shop. He was a barber and uh, I started talking to him. I was trying to witness to him. And, I said, and he said to me, you know, Tyler, that the real Jews are the black people and the Mexicans. That's what he told me. Have you heard that before? It's crazy. I found out later it's the black Hebrewite movement. It's wicked. It's ungodly. And so he starts talking to me, and he literally told me, I believe that Jesus, God, is only going to save 
the tribe of Judah. So you have to be black and you have to be from the tribe of Judah in order to be saved by God. And everyone else is going to hell. That's what he told me. And I said, well, the Bible says for God's soul of the world. Well, that could mean a group of people. Just like the good old Calvinists like to say. Well, I'm not a Calvinist and I think God loves the world. All of them. Every single person. And then I started looking into that because I thought it was really weird. And they believe that Jesus is a black man that will come back one day to enslave all the white devils. Yeah, that's what they said. And I was a little bit confused because I'm half white. (laughs) And the problem is I'm half Mexican too. So I'm kind of a Jew to them. So I was like wondering if I was going to be a part-time slave or how it was going to work out. You know how ridiculous that sounds? Because God loves the world. It doesn't matter where you are, where you're from, what you've ever done. God loves you. And unfortunately, there's people who think you have to have a certain color of skin for God to care about you. And years ago, our country looked at black people like if they were nothing because of the color of their skin. God loves every single human that's ever lived. He loves them all. But not only that, God's love is life-changing. Why do I say that? Because a lot of Christians say, yeah, I know God loves me, but you still live the same way. And you're still living in your sins, and you're still doing the things you ought not to do. But you know God loves you? If you truly know what God would do to you, look what uh, uh, Paul said in Titus chapter 3. He says, for we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. And then he starts to talk about what God has done for those who know the love of God. And some people go around and say, yeah, I know God loves me, but you still live like you used to live before you knew him. Do you really know God's love? Do you really know how much he truly loves you? When we truly comprehend the weight of our sin, then we can really experience the relief of its forgiveness. Whenever you come to God, and why did I say this whole thing at the beginning, how evil and wicked we were? Because when you really consider your sin before God, and then you read the verse that says, For God so loved the world, to think that God would love me, a wicked, a, a, a wicked, wretched sinner on my way to hell, that he would love me? God would love me, the creator of the universe who is pure and holy, and, and he could have the right to send us all to hell right now if he wanted to because we're evil and wicked and we've broken his law, and yet he loves us so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. His his love, whenever we truly comprehend it and and we understand our state as a human being, that we're evil and we're wicked, and, and then we consider God's love, it starts to do something in your heart and it starts to change you. That's what happened to me whenever I started the ministry. After I met Pastor Miller, there was a lot of things. I went back to school and, and there was a lot of things in my life I shouldn't have done. And later on, it was very difficult for me to consider that. And then I started to study the love of God, that God would love me. God would love, use me, a wicked sinner. Yeah, that's the kind of God I have. I don't have a kind of God that's going to wait for my good deeds to outweigh my bad deeds. That's not my God. My God did something about the problem I had. And that is something great to consider. We first meet God's love whenever we come to recognize that we're sinners and in desperate need of a Savior. I think that there's two beautiful moments in the life of a Christian. When you first get saved, and this other one may or may not apply to you, but if you've gone away from God and you come back to God, 
You know, that song that you chose tonight, Pastor, was awesome. I, I almost cried singing that song. I never heard it before. To consider that never a Christian gets away from God and comes back to God, that's an amazing thing to consider, that God would love us enough to forgive us. Now, real quick, his love will also make us want to tell others. I know this church is a mission-minded church. That's pretty obvious that you guys love missionaries and you guys support missionaries. And you say, yes, I know that God loves me. And I know that God has done so much for me. Well, how many people have you told about that? How many people in Fort Collins, Colorado, could hear the gospel, but they haven't yet because you haven't told them yet? You know, whenever we read in John, you know, Jesus, in the next few verses and chapters, we see in chapter 4 that he meets the Samaritan woman, a half-breed. A pastor called me that one time at a church. And he didn't mean it intentionally to hurt me. It was kind of funny, actually. I walked up there and I started preaching. I said, well, I'm glad Jesus sat down with a half-breed like me. I may be a half-breed, but God loves me. Amen. And then he came up and apologized after I preached. It was kind of funny, but... <laughs> It took me on for support, so I don't care. <laughs> exactly. Call me whatever you want to call me if you're going to support me. That God would look at us and love us. And When was the last time that you actually comprehended God's love so much that it moved you to go out and tell somebody? You know, this, this lady in chapter 4, this half-breed lady that was hated by everyone, Jesus sat down with her and showed, him, showed her love. And what did she do? She went back and told everybody about that love that she just met. And we say that we're, we're all these great people and that we have all this, they have a great doctrine. We're independent, fundamental Baptists. But how many people have you told about Jesus? There's a world around us that is going to hell. And they truly don't know that God loves them. They really believe God can't forgive me. It doesn't matter what you've done. God can forgive you. It doesn't matter what you've looked at, God can forgive you. It doesn't matter what you've heard, God can forgive you. It doesn't matter what your hands have done, God can forgive you. It doesn't matter where your feet have walked, God can forgive you. Because we have a great God. And He dwells with the broken and contrite spirit. That's who God dwells with. Don't let your emotions get in the way of you telling others about Jesus. Well, I'm too afraid to tell others. Well, they're going to hell. That's a big deal. These people around us don't know that God loves them and they could change. And the prostitutes and the drug addicts and the dope heads and all that kind of people out there, the drunkards, they need to know that God loves them and he wants to change them and he wants to give them a better life that they can live. I was down in Mexico just recently and I walked around the corner. We were out door knocking and, well, not really. They don't really have a lot of doors, but, you know, we were walking around and evangelizing and I walked around the corner and it was just by myself and I saw this group of men sitting over there. It was drunkards. They were just drinking. And it kind of worried me because I'm in Mexico. I know that I don't look like them. They probably know I'm an American. And that was kind of, that was kind of sketchy, you know. And I was going to turn around and I said, no, I have to go over there. And so I walked up to them. And they're all drinking. There's like a 14-year-old kid there with a big thing of beer. And this guy, the main guy that's kind of in charge, and they respected me, which was really, really cool that they respected me. And I started talking to them. And he had his two-year-old little girl there. I said to him, I said, man, you're really happy that your girl's watching you get drunk? And he says, no. I said, how much do you spend on this stuff? And he says, probably one to 2,000 pesos every two days, which down there, the monthly average that they make is 5,000 pesos. And then he says, yeah, I didn't, my kid doesn't even have shoes. And I'm here drinking. I was like, dude, 
I said, Jesus loves you, man, and he wants to change your life. And I tried to take him to church. He didn't want to go to church. He said, well, I said, no, man, we want to take you. He didn't. We took his family down there to church. I came back, so I don't know what's happening, but I gave them a track. I talked to them. I tried to share with them, hey, God loves you. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you're drunk or if you're a dope head or if you're a prostitute. It doesn't matter who you are. God loves you, man. And he wants to give you a life more abundant is what the Bible says. Not just a life, an eternal life, but also a life we can enjoy here. That's worth living. So we see that God's love moves us and motivates us to tell others about Jesus. So my question is, are you really considering God's love? I've really thought about God's love. Maybe at one point you were, and you were excited about it, and then eventually it kind of goes away. And then we kind of think, yeah, I'm, I'm in church, so I'm good. Oh, none of us are good. Even Paul admitted that he was the chiefest of sinners. And when we can remember who we are, it reminds us just how great God's love is towards us. And that's a pretty big deal. There's nothing that you can hide from God. He sees it all. There's nothing that you can keep quiet from God because He hears it all. No matter where you've been, whether you're saved or not, there's nothing God cannot forgive when you come to Him and are repentant, repentant of your sins. There's also nothing that you have to do to be loved by God. But when you truly understand His love, you'll want to do something for Him. I challenge you to think of for a minute just how sinful you really are so that you can better consider the love of God that He has towards you and how much He's forgiven you. Now maybe you've met God's love. What are you doing to tell others about it? I know this church gives to missions. That's not a big deal. That's, a lot of churches can do that. But are you reaching out to others and telling others? It's not just about giving. It's also praying for missionaries. And it's also doing something about it here in Fort Collins, Colorado. And I'm glad to be here to see that there's a good church here. But maybe someone here's forgotten about it. Maybe you've forgotten about just how much God has loved you and forgiven you and changed you. Paul says that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth all knowledge, which passeth knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. I just want to tell this church that God loves you, man. And that better excite you enough to tell others that Amen. He loves them too. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for everything you've done for us, Lord. Thank you for loving us. That we may never forget just how deep your love truly is towards us. So that we would have an excitement to tell others about Christ. Lord, be with the rest of this service and the rest of this missions conference. I ask all these things in your precious name. Amen.